those are the three things you need to bring together to make these decisions, Ron, is land quality, price, and then the actual market in location. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, this is episode 145 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast, discussing how we evaluate land. I'm your host, Andrew Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over a question from one of our featured Discord members. Today's question is from Doug. Doug asked, I'm having a little trouble determining how to pull good comps. I've watched the videos a few times, but I'm still having trouble determining which properties are good comps and which properties are outliers. Really good question, Doug. Ron, you want to handle? Yeah, Doug, this is a phenomenal question. We have people ask this question quite a bit and it's just honestly it is a market by market thing and you want to make sure the key to pulling good comps for pricing is making sure you're not getting outliers and that's on the high end and low end so outliers on the low end maybe it's just public record things that aren't great data pools um or on the high end you could have things with attributes whether it's waterfront uh, just a really good view, a really good location, a commercial property. So you need to pull up each of these comps and look into them and kind of determine like, okay, let's read the description, making sure that it was actually listed for sale, actually when pending and actually sold is really important. And it doesn't say public record if you're looking at Zillow. So the, I look at all that and then you read the description. Like, is there something special about this property that increased the value or something that is lowering the price value where we, I think this comp is under market value? You do not, and we say it so much, you do not need 50 good comps. You don't need 20 good comps. You need a few good comps to price accurately. Don't mix in good comps with comps that you think are average or below average or could be skewing your data. You want to be in a median happy place with your pricing. I agree. And another good thing we've been talking about a lot, Ron, is just we've been looking at for sale properties more than we used to for whatever reason, because yeah. things are slowing down. We want to look at the gauge, the interest on the for sale side too. see how many views, see how many saves, see if it's priced appropriately, right? If that five acre land's worth $50,000 and we think it's worth 50,000, let's make sure it's getting a good amount of traction on Zillow and those other sites, Ron. But other than that, let's get into the show. How do we evaluate land? Ron, first, let's take this away and First thing we always do when we get something back or are evaluating a member's deal is we look at the land quality. That's the very first thing we do. Yeah, and I think we do it something like we have all of our webinars recorded. If you guys are members or something, watching those, looking back, you can get a really good feel for it and how we do it. So yeah, like the first thing I don't pull up. So we use a software called MapRite. If you guys aren't familiar, that's how we evaluate basically on the computer, looking at the boundaries of the property, everything like that. But I'm just going to look at the satellite image and I'm going to look like, okay, let's just let me get a feel for the land before I pull up any of these overlays that is going to show me a slope. Let me just get a feel for what it actually looks like, what my opinion on the land is before anything else, what the shape is. I think shape we look at like that is our number one thing. Wouldn't you say, Dan, shape's like the first thing we look at? Absolutely. Because it's, I mean, it's outlined right there. It's just generally the first thing that shows up anyways. Yeah. And there's good shapes and there's bad shapes. You want... You want a shape that makes sense for an end buyer. Put your mind in the end buyer's mind and uh, determine based on that. And then we start looking at slope. We look at wetlands. We look at floodplain. We look at, um, obviously, like I said, road access. 
And then we'll dive deeper into all that stuff and then start evaluating the land as a whole. But that first initial thing, like you usually get a good feeling or bad feeling within about, I don't know, 10 to 30 seconds. Not saying that's our due diligence, but I usually understand land pretty fast. Yeah, you can see a lot just from the appearance of it when it's outlined. And some of the things we'll look at early on, the first thing we look at, like Ron said, is the shape of the property. Then we actually want to detect or understand the access, right? Is it direct road frontage? Is there a dirt road coming off the road? Is there an easement? There's all kinds of access things that we run into. And that's something that's going to really, really matter on the back end when you're trying to sell it. Like we said, Ron, you always want to put yourself in the future buyer's shoes. And if there's not good access, then that's going to be an issue for the future buyer. Then we look at things around slope. Someone, I think it was Mirren, asked the other week, how do we evaluate a good slope? I think we threw out a number like 15%, start there. But it's more of an eye test than anything. Like, is it buildable? Are there neighbor properties on that, or neighboring properties that are built on a similar slope? If that slope is the exact same on a ridge across and both sides of your property is built on and it's the exact same, same slope as your two neighbors are on, then there's a good chance that lowers the risk of the slope because there are people you know, building in that area. And that's kind of what I wanted to dive into a little bit, Ron. Let's talk about the land quality. I just talked a little bit about slope, a little bit about access. Let, access. Let's uh, talk about a little bit other attributes and features that we look for that determine that land quality that we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, you also have the features that add a ton of value to land, whether it's like very basic, which you'll probably see more times than the other features more one or more times is like a partially cleared land where you have some room to potentially put a house. The two things you probably see the most in terms of like attributes that add some value are creeks running through the land, as well as, um, like I said, cleared area for house. So those are things that are going to increase the value of your land or make it more desirable. And when I say, I say increase the value, Dan, but I think I'm more so mean increase the desirability, which in turn has a chance to increase the value, but it's going to at minimum increase the speed or decrease, increase the speed at which you can sell the property. So having any attributes that increase desirability. And again, think as the end buyer, I think we just need to keep pushing that thing, Dan, because I think thinking as the end buyer, what an end buyer is going to want, or at least what you think they're going to want, is going to be what they typically want. So if you have a nice creek running through it, get pictures of that when you're marketing and stuff like that. Those are very good attributes. Um, what other things do we see, Dan, in terms of, let's talk about the good things and before we talk about like the negatives of the land, which we've kind of talked about with slope. Any water features are always a really big plus. If it's great hunting land and there's a bunch of deer on the, uh, on the property, people want to see that type of stuff. Trees. People would like to see ground photos, get ground photos. They want to see yeah. what kind of timber and trees are on there. A lot of people ask about that. Mainly water, trees. If there's any cleared paths anywhere, Ron, mm. sometimes cleared access is really a big one. Like if there's an old building site where they started to build and there's a nice clear or there's a mobile home on it and there's a nice cleared path to it and then 50, 100 feet of cleared spot to build, that's an attribute. Obviously, septic, having a septic system a well utility setups, a big attribute, but always confirm that with the county. Obviously, we see that a lot. People saying, Oh, there's septic on it. Okay, well, doesn't add me much value if your uncle installed this half ass septic run and you know it's just not legal 
we can't advertise the septic. Therefore, it's not going to increase the value because we can't advertise it because it's not legal or it's not up to county standards. So things like that, I think, are the, are some of the main ones, Ron. Am I missing some? No, I think that's about it. Like if you get land with those things, like it's not necessarily like if you get a creek, it's not like, okay, this is a home run deal. Like you want to confirm all the other attributes, do all your other due diligence. But there are, we run in, like you'll get, you'll get like streams and then you'll get creeks. Like those creeks that are legitimate creeks are extremely desirable for end buyers. All this stuff that we're talking about is, but this is going to be 10% of your deals you get back, maybe, maybe 20%, but it's not going to be a huge portion. So on the other end, probably 40, 50% of our purchase agreements are going to have things on the other end where the land isn't necessarily, it's far from perfect whether it's got a slope or it's got a gully. A gully is essentially when something drops off and it comes back up. So you'll have a big drop off and then it'll come back up. Those are things you want to keep out and keep an eye out for. Uh, but I think I'm trying to think the most common wetlands, you get wetlands, you get floodplain. Um, all these things are things you just got to have, you got to get a feel for it and determine whether, so let's talk about wetlands and floodplain Dan, before we move on. Um, so wetlands is essentially year-round water. There is going to be year-round water typically in wetlands, and it is not desirable at all. Maybe, maybe for bigger properties like dunk, duck hunting. Am I right, Dan, in certain areas? Yeah, some duck hunting. And I mean, it depends the size. If you have a 100-acre property and 20 acres, if it's wetland, that might not matter as much as if you have yeah. 10 acres and eight of it's wet. Yeah, I think we just bought a property that was, it was thir it's 30 acres um, and it was, uh, it's probably five, five acres wet or something like that. And like, it is wet. It's not like, it's like, okay, it's a little, it's wet. It's standing water, probably over a foot. I would imagine in those areas and what they are essentially, it's just a low, low areas in the earth, um, that just collect water. And it, it makes perfect sense. Like it doesn't take a lot of rain or it doesn't even take constant rain for these to stay wet because the water just, that's where the water sits. Um, and then floodplain is a chance of flooding, which floodplain, if you have a 20 acre property and 10 acres are in a floodplain, I'm not that concerned if it's not a wetlands where wetlands, if you're 10 acres, half your property is wet, I'd be more concerned. Floodplain has a chance. Floodplain more so, Dan, you want to look for an area to build. Like, is there enough room for me to put a house, mobile home, whatever it is, where wetlands is like, you got to decrease the value pretty much no matter what. Yeah, that's a good point. Wetlands are always worse. Floodplains, you always want to make sure you have a spot to build. That's the biggest yep. thing. But if it's a floodplain and it's a 100-year flood zone run, it's just the risk of it actually flooding is minimal. But so, so what I'm saying is your property, like Ron said, is not always going to be wet. So if 18 out of the 20 acres is in a floodplain, but there's two beautiful acres to build, and we got drone photos, Ron, and the 18 acres looks dry, it just has a chance to flood every 100 years or whatever that chance is, Ron, whatever floodplain it is in, then I think, I think that makes a difference. You just need to make sure there's a buildable area with the floodplain because it's not going to be wet. But when you have, but they overlap a lot of times when you have a wet yep. land and a floodplain, that obviously means it's, it's wet, Ron. Yeah. The typical, what I see is the typical floodplain without a wetlands is a creek, like, or is a creek or a river that is causing it. Um, that's when you can get a floodplain when you're close to a creek or river, not even necessarily on your property, but you have a big creek or a river, a regular size river, that's when you're going to have that chance, 100 year chance, and you're going to be in a floodplain. Oh, or you have the chance of being in a floodplain, I guess. And you typically won't have wetlands 
it will obviously get wet if it does flood, but that's not what we're talking about here. So yeah, I mean, you got, you got to evaluate those things, Dan, and it's, it's hard to kind of over a podcast really give, uh, we can give as detailed as we want, but it's so deal by deal, analyzing the land in particular, we never see two deals. Sometimes we see a deal like, didn't we already review this deal? And we didn't, it's just, we look at so many deals, but most deals, pretty much all deals are different. Um, but you can use your knowledge from previous uh, evaluations of deals to kind of help you in the future. Yeah. And the hardest part, Ron, that I want to get into for the next minute or two is price evaluation. This is the hardest part. So we understand the land. Now we have to evaluate the price. And that's one of the hardest things to do, especially when comps are scarce. It's one of the hardest thing to do in this business, Ron, is actually evaluating the price. So we understand the land. We have a really, really good idea of how this land lays, the different features, attributes, defects it has. Now let's jump in the price and see if this makes sense to buy. Real quick, guys, you know that I don't run any ads on this. So the only ask I can ever have with you guys is to help me spread the word so that we can help more real estate entrepreneurs make more money, help feed their families and help achieve more freedom in their life. The only way we can do this is if you could rate, review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is if you could just leave a review, it would take only 10 seconds. It would mean the world to Ron and I, but more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. So yeah, I guess the final part of due diligence is that price aspect that we're talking about that you talked about, Dan. Uh, So you did all your due diligence, the land checks out, or at least it's decently, it's checking out decently. You need to now determine if the price makes sense. Bringing the price or bringing the deal to other members, bringing the deal to our Wednesday call is very valuable where we can look at the deal and kind of do it with you, especially as you're new. If this is your third, fifth deal, like get all these deals, get second eyes on these deals. Maybe you have a local realtor contact that can help you out. But beyond that, Daniel, it also matters when you're evaluating price, evaluating the speed of what, what price you can sell for. If it's a slower market, doubling your money or potentially doubling your, doubling your money might not make 100% sense, to be 100% honest. Where it's like buy for 40000 max sell for 80000 in six, eight months, where if I'm trying to sell this fast, it might only be $60,000. Does that deal make sense? I don't know. That's something for you to decide. But looking at the market and looking at the speed of market, especially being in a recession, I think is really important. Absolutely. And, and kind of put piecing these two things together that we talked about, Ron, the land quality and the price evaluation. Now we have an overall risk evaluation. We kind of need to bring everything we learned together. And if the land's an A-plus, Ron, and the price is questionable, maybe we can afford smaller payouts since the land's great, the market's great. We know it's going to sell fast like you were just saying, or vice versa. It's a super slow market. The land's not great. And the price, the price is great, but the land and the market aren't great. We got to evaluate all three things of those runs. So the market and location, the price and the actual land quality. And we bring those three together, grade them subconsciously, or you can do it consciously. I've never thought it out like this Ron. We talked about it a little bit in last episode, but those are the three things you need to bring together to make these decisions Ron. is land quality, price, and then the actual market and location. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing. That can be a definite, re- like you need to think about those three things before you buy a property um, and think about them in combination. Like try to take yourself out of like the making money or just wanting a deal or whatever it is. Like you need to take yourself out of that mindset and just review the deal as you see it on paper. Like it's a reviewable deal on paper and then making a decision based on that. Um, but I don't think I have anything else to, uh, add to that, Dan, like it's, 
it's something it's experience i think experience trumps all with kind of evaluating land deals it's something most people don't come in very few people come in understanding how to really evaluate land deals but that being said doing it 10 15 20 times and you'll not be an expert but you'll be well on your way absolutely ron and if if the price is great the land's great and the market's great what do we have ron we got a we got a home run we got ourselves a home run exactly but it doesn't always pan out that way those deals are I'm not going to say rare, you'll get them, but you'll get more B's than A's, right? You'll get more C plus and B's than A's, and you're going to make a lot of money at it. And those AAA, A market, A land quality, and A price come along, and you're like, wow, that's why I got into this business to start. We're buying this for $80,000 and going to sell it in three weeks for 220 grand. Those type of deals come, but we're not always going to get those. So we just have to balance what works for our business and our risk profile run. Thank you for joining. If you guys have not, please leave us a review on Apple podcast. It really helps our business grow and we really, really appreciate it. But other than that, guys, thank you for joining and we'll see you next episode. Thanks guys.